kind of wondering what's going on today. Parking lot empty when you pulled in. <laughs> a little bit uh, different day. A lot of things not working, are they? People not greeting, doors not being held open. You probably noticed there was no words to sing by. A lot's going on different today. You might get a little bit of an idea of what's going on just by looking at your bulletin. Seeing the sermon title, it's called A Church Without Servants. You are today experiencing, you're a part, for lack of a better word, a sermon illustration uh, of seeing what it looks like when a church doesn't have people serving. You know, it's interesting, a couple of weeks ago, three to be exact, three Sundays ago, we announced that, there, that today was going to be a special worship service. That, that was the exact promotion. Today will be a special worship service. That's, that's all we said. Well, I don't know, that's not exactly a unique statement, you know, that we're going to have a special worship service. And yet, that announcement kind of got some life to it and began to run. And, and all kind of rumors began to roll around about what's happening today. What, what are they announcing? Well, we never said we were announcing anything. That's all on y'all. Y- y'all, y'all did that. We've heard about buildings that are going to be built and money and other campuses. Probably the biggest uh, uh, rumor that we've heard and, and heard it, gosh, 20, 30 different times, different groups of people. Have y'all heard I was resigning today? I've heard that a lot this last couple of weeks. You know, it's uh, a little unsettling when a lot of people are talking about your resignation. I'll be honest with you, it's not, not the most comfortable experience in the world. But, uh, you, you know, that, again, that's on y'all. There was never any statement about there being an announcement. So if you came today waiting to hear the big announcement, not only is nothing working, but you're not going to get a big announcement because there, there is no big announcement today. You know what's funny, though, is that rumor, and this, again, that's all on you. We didn't do this. But the rumor kind of played into today. Because it's easy to kind of center things on a pastor and what he's doing or not doing. Rightly or wrongly, that's kind of the, and probably more wrongly, that's kind of the American model of church. And and so when, when the pastor resigns, retires, moves on, dies, whatever he's doing, it, you know, it's, it's real easy for the church to think, oh, well, what's going to happen? Are we going to lose people? What's the next guy going to do. But you know what, folks? If I announced today my resignation, do you all know what you would do next Sunday? You'd have church. You'd go right on and things would work. And probably, I would assume here for the Heights, work pretty well. As a matter of fact, we got a little bit of case history. This this church was without a senior pastor once before. Uh, It's actually not had a lot of years like that in our history. We had a pastor that was here 17 years and then in November of 2001, he resigned. And so from o- November of 01 to November of 02, the Heights was without a, a senior pastor. And do you know that during that time, people were one to Christ? People were baptized. The, the, the people were discipled. The church did the work that God called the church to do. It went on just fine. It did well. But now take case today for a second. I'm in my spot. Where are y'all? You know, I'm in my spot, but things are not running well today. All joking aside, there are no words. That makes it a little bit harder to worship. There, there's no transitions. That makes it a little bit awkward to move. Gosh, first-time visitors, well, you can't get a first-time impression back, can you? I mean, what kind of impression you get? There's no warm and welcoming feeling. There, there, there's, there's nobody to greet you, to help you, to move around in this building. 
We don't have any care for children today. Think of the breakdown there. We're not discipling children this morning. By the way, we don't do child care here at the Heights. We disciple children when children are here at the Heights. So they're not being served. And, and, and the person that now has all the children with them, they're, you know, they, I've watched the last two services, people getting up, moving and going, you know, can't keep, you know, keep them still. And so then they got to get it. So now they're not being served. So see, everything begins to, to fall apart. I, again, I'm in my spot doing my thing. But without everybody serving, you know, things begin to just not work like they should. You know, there's some actually some, some pretty significant things not happening today. Today's the first Sunday of the month. Normally today, first and third Sundays, we'd be baptizing. We have people to be baptized. Today would be the day to do it. But that's not happening. Now, you know what? A, a paid person turns the water on. And a paid, paid person arranges that they're coming and what hour. And a paid person will even get in the water and, and, and baptize them. But boy, we have a great baptism team that's back there with them that kind of guides those people through that moment and helps them feel comfortable and at ease and just make it a good experience. And without that team, we can't do that. As a matter of fact, there's another thing we can't do today. I can't give an invitation at the end of this service. There'll, there'll be no place where I can say, hey, listen, if you want to talk to somebody about a relationship with Christ or you want to become a part of our church family, I, I can't do that today. Because it's volunteers, it's people serving the church that makes that possible. Now, you know what, at this point, I kind of hope a couple of you are thinking, hey, you know, maybe you've gone too far in this sermon illustration. You know, I mean, when we can't do the purposes of the church... When we can't do something like invite somebody to the gospel, you, you know, you're, you're going too far. You know what? I, I think I would agree with you in that. And, and, and maybe we are going too far in this illustration today. But you know what, folks? If you'll think about it. When people aren't serving, we can't fulfill any of the purposes of the church gathered. Not, not worship, not discipleship, not evangelism. As a matter of fact, when we talk about people serving, we think a lot about the positions that maybe go on on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night. But folks, it's the Sunday morning and the Wednesday night that fuels all the other ways we serve the Lord. From the mission field to making a call to a good Christian friend on Thursday night saying, hey, I'm praying for you. You, you see, you don't, you don't need to hold a title. You don't need to volunteer to do those things. But when all of this stops, all of that other stuff stops also. Now, I'll tell you something. I think here at the Heights, we are, man, we, we are way above average in serving. You guys are awesome in how you serve. We have a lot of people serving. We have a lot of people very faithfully serving in our church, much higher than the norm. Have y'all ever heard the, the 80-20 rule? That, that, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work? Well, we're, we're a lot better than that here. We're, I say a lot better. We're, we're probably more like 40 or 50% of the people are doing 50 or 60% of the work. We have a lot more than average, the average church serving here. You know, and, and as a matter of fact, you guys do such a good job at it that, that one of the conversations I have a lot of times, I mean, way over 100 times in the, over the years, I'll hear visitors say this when I'm visiting with them. Man, we want to get involved in church. We want to get in a church we can serve in. And uh, clearly up there, y'all don't need anybody. Y'all have got everybody you need up there. And, and of course, it makes me, I just tried to laugh, not laugh out loud. 
You know, we've got areas of our ministry. I, I think sometimes they think if one more person doesn't show up, the whole thing just falls into the floor. I mean, we just can't. It's a complete crisis. And then, then there's other times we're not thinking about something being a crisis, but we're looking at, okay, all the positions are filled, but boy, there's, there's no rotation there. They have to serve and serve and serve. It'd be nice sometimes if you could serve a week and step back a week, serve a week and step back a week, serve a week and, and step back a week, kind of put a rotation there. But you know what, folks, my, my biggest concern is not, ah, do we have a crisis over here, not enough people, or gosh, could we have more people so there could be a rotation? You know what my biggest concern is? Do we ever get to see the church running at 100%? All the parts in place, full health, full strength, full speed. You know, I would imagine there's some people don't even know they're supposed to be serving. Maybe were never challenged. Didn't know they had anything to serve, anything to, to help a church be what God's called it to be. But the truth is, you do have something. God's made sure of it. There's a verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Oh, I'd point to the TV, but it's not here. Because a volunteer wheels it out there. And volunteer runs the PowerPoint. So I can't do any of those things that help today. The, the proclamation of the gospel. But if, if it was up here, here's what it would say in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It would say to each one. Each one, that includes who? Okay, it's not a trick question. Go ahead and say it. Everybody, right, to each one. Now, we can define each one. It's each one that's been born again. Each one that is a child of God. If you're not a child of God, then this, this would not be true of you. But if you've come to faith in Christ, if you've been born again, you're a child of God, then 1 Corinthians twelve seven says, to each one has been given a manifestation, a, a, a work, uh, an outpouring, an ability by the Holy Spirit for the good of all. In other words, the moment you come to faith in Christ, and you might have been seven years old, you might have been 47 years old, instantly and immediately the Holy Spirit floods into your life and gives you an ability to come be a part of the family and make it better. In other words, God instantly gives you the ability to be significant, to make a significant contribution in the whole, in, in being a part of what God is doing here. As a matter of fact, if you read all of 1 Corinthians 12, it, it likens the church family to a human body. Now, now, now think about a human body. It, it, there's one body here, right? But th this body has lots of parts. Ten fingers, ten toes, eyes, ears, nose. And just think all the stuff you see on the outside. I mean, there's like a hundred times that amount of parts on the inside, right? So there's all these parts. Inside parts, outside parts, big parts, small parts. There's the really important parts and the not so important. Isn't our tendency to think that way? That, that some parts are really important and some not so much? I mean, that's kind of natural. I mean, if you're choosing between a brain and a heart or like, say, a pinky, you're going to go with what? Again, not a trick question. It's, it's the heart and the mind, right? Over the pinky. Yeah, all of us in an instant would give away a pinky over a brain and a heart. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to give away your pinky? No, absolutely not. I like my pinky. Yeah, com compared to a heart and a brain, I guess that's a... You see, folks, when God says that the church is like the human body, yeah, it's, yeah there's inside parts and outside parts. There, there's big parts and smaller parts and some that don't seem important and some... No. There's no such thing as breaking it down into the important parts and the parts that aren't important. Every part goes into making it run at full health, full strength, 
in full speed. We want all of our parts. And so you take a church like ours that I would suggest is a above average. You know, we got 30, 40, maybe 50 percent of our church family is serving in a position. You know, if we could get that number up to like 60 percent, folks, churches from all over this country would come here. They'd come here. How do you do that? What do you do? 60 percent of the body. If we had 60 percent of the body working, we'd be considered hitting home runs. We'd be superstars in the church business. But now, wait a minute. Think about that. The church has been likened to a human body. Would you consider your body a superstar body if 60% of it was working? Let me rephrase that. If 40% of your parts inside you didn't work, would you be hitting home runs? No, you'd probably be in the hospital, wouldn't you? You might be on your deathbed considering what part of that 40% was not working. So think about it. A church would be hugely successful if it's got 40, 50, 60% working. But maybe God's looking at the church and going, my gosh, they're struggling along on the deathbed. And see, it looks like success to us because we've never seen it running at 100%. We've never seen the impact that could be there on our community, in our world for the gospel, if 100% of the parts. Wow. Why don't don't we work? Why, Why don't all the parts get in place? Well, there's, there's more than one reason. There's lots of reasons that not all the parts are playing their part. But I think there's one reason that kind of encapsulates a whole bunch of them. And by the way, this, this reason includes me. It, it includes those of you that have a position. You're serving at the heights. You're, you're involved, but it can include you too. And, and that one reason is, it's not very pretty by the way, just warning you before I say it. We just can't ever get over ourselves, can we? It's just really easy for us to walk into every relationship, every home, every church and look around and say, hey, what, what's in this for me? What, what do I get out of this? How am I blessed? How am I served? How's my life aided? How's my life? What's it? Well, folks, when I'm constantly evaluating everything on based on what it's doing for me, yeah, it's pretty hard then to serve others. Gosh, we see this problem even in the disciples and those guys are heroes, Right. Jesus and his disciples are, are walking down the road, heading to Jerusalem, and, and Jesus says, hey, I want to tell you what's going to happen when, when I get there. Let me tell you what's going what's to go on. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be abandoned. He didn't say this, but if you fill in the word abandoned by all of you that are walking down the road with me, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be abandoned. I'm going to be arrested. When I'm arrested, I'm going to be mocked and, and, and spit on and humiliated. I'm going to be violently and brutally beaten. And then I'll be hung on a cross and I will die an agonizing death. Now imagine you're one of those 12 disciples. You're walking down the road and and Jesus is sharing this with you. Maybe you're right next to him. Maybe you're too back. But you hear Jesus up there and he's saying this. What are you going to say next to him? I mean, if you're in that group of 12, at the very minimum, you consider Jesus like your best friend ever. I mean, this is somebody you deeply love. And it could be that as much as, I think he's the son of God. I think he's my savior and Lord. So he just tells you he's going to die this agonizing death. What do you say in that next moment? You know what the disciples said? Now remember, he just said he's going to die. And the disciples were thinking, well, if you're dead, then, then you'll come back in your kingdom. And so the next word out of the disciples' mouth, it came out of the mouths of James and John, who, by the way, I mean, these are top dog disciples. 
I mean, these are good guys. These are good heroes in the, in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, James and John aren't just a part of the twelve. Did you know Jesus had an inner circle? He, he had a three. Peter, James, John. They were the very closest to him. They saw and heard the very most. And so Jesus just expresses this horrible death. He's going to die. You know what James and John say? Hey, well, Lord, when you come back in your kingdom... Uh, could could my brother and I, could we have that position on your right and your left? Do you, do you get what they're asking? A king sits on a what? A throne. And when a king's on his throne, the person to the right and the person to the left, or from your side, the person to the right and the person from the left, those are, those are positions of prominence. Those are positions of power. So, in other words, Jesus has said, I'm going to die horribly. And James and John say, so how will that work out for me? Will I be able to get this? I mean, do you not hear that? Do you not read that and think, what? How could anybody respond that way? How could anybody say that? I mean, you ever heard the phrase, timing's everything? That's horrible timing. And the other ten disciples, man, they go ballistic on James and John. Not, by the way, because they're just mad about their insensitivity and their callousness. No, the other ten disciples get mad because James and John thought of it first. They jumped in line and asked the question first. And now, so now, here's the thing. Again, I know I'm repeating myself. Think of what Jesus has just told them. And now all twelve of them are arguing about who's going to come out on top. Who, who, who gets the top rung when this all works out? In other words, as he's suffering, they're talking, how does this work for me? Say, that's just horrible. I can't even imagine that. Folks, it happens every Sunday. People serve, they sacrifice, they work hard to make something happen. And, and the bulk of people walk in the room and say, what's in this for me? How, how, how does this work out for me? And, and to that way of thinking, Jesus says this in Mark chapter 10. As they're going on and on and on, he finally interrupts them. And he says in verse 43, hey guys, it, it shouldn't be this way among you. And the way he's talking about in verse 41 and 2, he says, y'all are acting like Gentiles. Now, Gentiles is anybody that's not Jewish. But in this context, Gentile is being used almost as a synonym with, with pagans. You're, you're acting like somebody who doesn't know God, doesn't have a God, has no concept of eternity. That's how you're acting. Yeah, with people that don't have God, no concept. Yeah, then every moment it's about me and it's about what I get. But it shouldn't be that way among you. He says, hey, you want to be great? Hey, I've got no problem with you wanting to be great. Here's how you do it. Be a servant to all. You want to be first? I got no problem with you wanting to be first. Line up. Be first. Here's how you do it. Be a slave to all. And then he says this in verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, I didn't come into this world to be applauded and appreciated and to see what you could do for me. I came into this world to serve you. To serve your salvation. And folks, everything we do in the church... Every single thing from parking cars to putting up PowerPoint to to caring for kids to to discipling in life group to everything we do. All the stuff that happens outside of a title that happens outside of a Sunday. Every bit of it is to help somebody come to salvation or grow in their salvation. 
Every position is serving salvation. Now here again, the pastor's in his spot today. But think of all the people and all the ways that salvation is not being served. Man, if you're having to watch a child right now, it's hard to get served in your salvation right now because you're trying to watch that child and try to take care of that. You know, there was no way we could do both hours today. Say, so why did you cancel Life Group through this? Well, of course, Life Group is 100% run by who? Volunteers. But it's not just that they wouldn't be in their spot. Folks, we couldn't manage people here for two hours. Some of them, matter of fact, they come in and say, are y'all still having service? The lot's empty. Yeah, we had to just keep the second service here for one hour and get them out of here. There's no way we could handle the traffic without all the... Well, folks, think about this. If you come here, and by the way, when you walk out this morning, the door's going to close in your face because there's nobody there to open it and keep it open. Now, you know what? A lot of us are really committed to the Lord, and we're really committed to the church, and so we could roll with some of those punches. But you know what? For a lot, man, you, you come in here and the door slams in your face and you have to sit in traffic and you can't get out and you can't get, nobody's inviting, nobody's welcoming, nobody helps you connect with others. Guess what? They don't come back, do they? As a matter of fact, folks, I would dare say if we took today by itself, and we can laugh about it now, right? Ha uh-huh, ha, we're laughing, right? Yeah, okay, good. You know, if we did this same thing for the next 10 weeks, we just did this all summer long. One person going to lead music. One person's going to preach. Nothing else is going to happen. Folks, at the end of this summer, we wouldn't exist. We, would, we might have a hundred diehards, you know, just going to go to the bitter end. But, but we wouldn't be a church anymore. Because we would not be serving anyone's salvation. See, what I would really like to show you today... What would be an awesome illustration is to paint a picture to show you here in life or, or, or to point to the church out there that's running at 100%. 100% of the parts are in place and working. But I can't show you that anywhere. Not, not here, not, not next door, not down the street. To my knowledge, not anywhere in America could I show you that. I mean, how, how do we see how big and important, how do we see what a body could look like at full health and full strength and full speed? Well, maybe if we can't show this end of the spectrum, y'all see where we're going? Maybe if we just come all the way to the other end of the spectrum and we have nobody serving, we realize, wow, we really can't do this without people serving. And again, A lot of ways you can serve the Lord. A lot of ways you can serve others that don't involve a title. That don't involve doing something on Sunday morning. But folks, when Sunday morning's not happening, none of the other stuff will in time either. I think if we did this all summer long, not a hundred people. Which means that the serving of the gospel, the serving of the salvation for over 2,000 people that happens every single week ceases by September 1. It's, it's not there anymore. It stops. That's, that's pretty big, isn't it? You know, folks, when I, was, when I was 15 years old, it wasn't my dream to grow up one day and take people who are, who are busy and tired and stressed and overwhelmed and see if I could make them feel guilty and do even more work. That's, that, that's, that's what I want to do when I grow up. No, that, that's not what I was saying. And guess what? It's not what I'm thinking today. 
I have no goal. I have no interest in, in taking a tired, overwhelmed, stressed out person and say, if you don't do this, you're going straight to hell. No, that's, that's not what we're doing today. As a matter of fact, believe it or not, you think, boy, if you have a hard time getting people to serve, you've got to get it down to the bare minimum. And what, you know what, folks? We never think in terms of how do we get it down to the bare minimum of our needs. We always think, how many more jobs can we create? How many more ways? Why? Because we have all these different personalities, all these different gifts and abilities. See, I don't want to just come up with a list of jobs and then get you in them. I want to come up with ways that, that attach to your gifts and abilities, your spiritual giftedness, your personality, so that when you step into that, you're not just getting something done for the church. You actually feel like you're working side by side with God and who he is and what he's doing in his church. And you're fulfilled. You're actually having fun doing that. That's our goal. And so periodically what we do on a Sunday like this is, is I try to end it early and I say amen and then y'all go out to the concourse and we have out there what's called a ministry fair. And all of the ministries of our church are available. So you can go out and say, hey, what's for me out there? What connects with me? But we're not, we're not doing that today. We're, we're, we're doing something that kind of fits with the whole theme of the day a little bit different today. Here's what I want to do. I want to challenge every person in here to take a job for six months. Not even, not even for a year. For, for six months. Would you consider. Taking a position. Here at the church. Now it, it isn't even six full months. Because six months would mean that you're in place today. Right? Six months at the end of December you're done. And, and you're not in place today. So it, that might not be till next week. Or the week after that. There's a couple of positions that don't. Don't tell the staff I told you all this. They don't start till September. So they'd be only like three or four months then. But would you work till the end of December? And, and here's what we've done. Because it's only six months, uh, if you got a bulletin today, which a good chance you didn't because nobody was handing them out. But if you got a bulletin today and you can get one on the way out, uh, it lists, I asked our staff, give me ten jobs. Give me ten places that are easy to plug a person into, don't require a lot of training, or there's just a very critical need for us. If we're, going to, if we're going to get some help for six months, where would you want it? And they came up with that list right there. And so on one side, you see this, uh, sign, up, sign me up to serve. You fill that out, and then you turn it over, and you check what I'll do this till the end of December. Now, when we get to the end of December, one of three things is going to happen. Number one, you're going to say, it's the end of December, I quit. That was the worst thing I ever did, and I don't want to do it anymore. I, I hope that doesn't happen, but reality tells me it will. I mean, for somebody, I don't want to do this. That was horrible. I'm not doing it anymore. Now, a second option is you'll get to the end of December and you'll say, you know what? I don't want to do that. But wow, I've had a blast serving. I've, I've gotten to know people in a whole new way. I feel more a part of what God is doing here. I, I feel so much more connected. I, I found real joy in serving. I want to do something. I just don't think that's the best thing I could be doing. Can you help me find the place? Oh my gosh, yes we can. Matter of fact, we have a class called that, Place. We have one starting in June. We'll have another in September. What this class does, it helps you discover your spiritual giftedness, your personality, kind of look at your background and experiences, kind of blend all that together. We put it in a bowl, mix it all up, and what comes out is the ministries that were designed just for you. Just your personality, your giftedness. And we help you find your place in the body. So that could be an option. The third option is you say, man, I love that job. Can I keep it? 
And we'll say, absolutely, for a small fee, you can keep that job. No, there, there, won't, there won't be a small fee. Of course not. Obviously, we want you to, to keep that job. That's great. And folks, let me tell you what, what option number two and option number three give you. They give you the best opportunity to stand before Jesus, fully obedient to his command to serve. They give you an opportunity to stand before the Holy Spirit, having been faithful with the ability he gave you. Folks, you can see, I didn't know I have an ability. I don't even know what it is. He still gave it to you. It's your responsibility to find out, hey, how did the Holy Spirit want to plug me into this family? Options two and three. I can stand before Christ obedient. I can stand before the Holy Spirit faithful. And both of those place your life squarely in the position to one day hear from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, a lot of us know that verse, don't we? We've heard that phrase, well done, good and faithful. That's what God's called us to be. That's who we are in this world. We are people who serve others' salvation. Are we? Are you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you will guide us through this moment. I pray for each individual, couple, family, Lord, they might just... Maybe when the service is over here, sit in here for a moment and pray, seek you. And Lord, the next step they take toward the concourse, toward their car, into the rest of this day, I pray that the next step they take, they know it's the step you want them to take. It's the step that you have for them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.